Let's do it. Let's do this. Say when. Just say when. Let's do this. <laughs> I, I, I get so confused at the queue. Start. Uh, oh, are you ready? Yes. Oh, my God. This is going to be terrible in the beginning. <laughs> yes. Go. <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Talking the Terror. We are at season two, episode four, the week are meat. Whew. Big, big episode this time. Big episode. Seems to me that the terror has finally sort of hit its stride a bit in its attempt to be more horror and less historic, but plenty of history still built right into that system. So let's get to what we need to get to. With me today is Kinte. Kinte, I know you're all the way live from sunny California. How are you today? I'm doing great, and I'm happy to be here, and I'm always happy to be talking to you. Is it still sunny in California? It is very sunny in California. See, I think that that needs to be the next spinoff where it's always sunny in Philadelphia. So yeah, it's always sunny in California. <laughs> California. All right, so uh, let's 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 talk about first impressions for this episode mm -hmm. uh, overall what were what what did you think what were your overall first impressions i thought this was the best episode that uh that uh has aired so far i i really enjoyed it 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 moved it had a better pacing than i think the other ones have and uh i just really think that uh you know um that this was a really delightful episode. It's interesting to me that it's taken them uh, this long, I think, to sort of hit their stride, if you will. Um, but on the other hand, when I went back and started thinking about it, all everything that we've seen so far has been uh, a lot of setup. But <laughs> I do feel like that setup is rather important and I have some ideas about why. Um, in some ways, it almost feels a little bit reminiscent of what they did in uh, Westworld in season one, where there was a lot of setup in the beginning. And, you know, granted, there was also a lot of action, but mm -hmm. there was a lot of uh, things that felt like they were perhaps superfluous. And yet then we come to find out, no, nothing was. And I have a feeling that something very similar is happening here. I don't know to what extent, but it was this episode feels if last episode felt a little bit transitional, this episode feels like we are fully immersed in what I would kind of loosely call act two of the uh, of the season. Um, and my overall impressions of this episode were, first of all, wow they went places that I don't even think I've seen them go in the walking dead in yeah. just in terms of sort of visceral, gruesome horror. It was, it was disturbing on a lot of levels. Um, but I'll get to a couple of those in a minute. Um, I, I wanted to start off with how you think uh, Chester is doing overall. What did you think about his role in this episode? Um, I think that, uh, you know, he's still the wide-eyed, idealistic uh, character in this. And um, 
in this episode, he definitely showed his worth uh, a couple of times with the military, but he just seems like he still has that naivety where it seems like he feels like he can keep showing his worth and that they're going to fully accept him and which, you know, it's not going to happen. So that, you know, that's something that I, you know, hopefully by the end of this, he'll, he'll be better at it, but uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's something that people are taking a liking to is that part of his character. And um, it just seems like um, he, he, what's really going on in the world and what's in his head are not together. I don't know if that makes sense. Well, it, it, it totally does make sense. And I, I think I may have a theory as to why that is happening and why it is perhaps a bit more intentional than it even appears to be. Mm-hmm. To me, it seems that Chester, especially after this episode, is clearly marked as prey. Now, I want to go to the the episode title, which is The Week. Uh, and we know that there are plenty of weak here. Mm-hmm. Are meat. M-E-A-T. And that seems significant in the sense that it, it sort of signifies something. All the titles seem to signify something. But in this particular one, it did feel a little bit more like um, the the episode title meant more than perhaps we're used to. Right. Chester's part in this, he seems very much like the hunted meat. The, the hunted, you're not, I'm not saying that Chester is not a person. I'm saying that from an entity standpoint, Chester somehow is a target. And, and I think the way that we know that Chester is obviously a target is he has so many near misses with the supernatural right now, but also it, there seems to be a very specific uh, pattern emerging whereby Chester is the, um, is the underlying catalyst for a lot of the things that are happening. So as an example, I don't want to go too far ahead because I kind of want to go in a bit of a sequential order, but one of the things that I found most interesting was the attempt clearly at something to get into the tent while they were in the tent talking and he hears something and the 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 guy that's with him barely responds, right? Doesn't quite see it as something as big maybe as Chester does. But when we look at the tent, it's clear that that has been slashed by something that it wasn't just a knife. There, something slashed the tent. And that felt also significant, but significant in the sense that something is not just targeting, you know, the, uh, the, the it, something is targeting other than just be, him being Japanese, something is targeting Chester personally, right? Did you get that? No, yeah, I definitely did. And, you know, uh, I forgot what the, excuse that his friend said it was but it was like that was more silly than you know something uh you know uh crazy or something like that you know yeah especially given their location right Right. it it just felt very silly that you're right silly is a good word so okay so I'm, i'm gonna jump just a little bit um 
the the other big piece of this well there's a couple big pieces in this episode but one of the big pieces in this episode was as you said chester finds sort of a way to uh connect at least with the uh with his commander in in a way that shows his worth and that scene in particular i think was one of the best scenes that i've seen horror wise in a series in a long time because it, there was enough gritty realism in it to make you feel like this absolutely is what would it would have been. But also just the idea that Chester would wade into that mess. And I'm talking about the stew of bodies that was left over and how incredibly, uh, what's a good word for that? I, I guess I'm going to say that Chester must have some kind of very strong resolve because personally i can't even imagine wading into that now the fact that he found something of worth says something amazing about chester but it also speaks to this kind of personal terror a personal sense of horror which i am now getting more and more as the episodes go on how did you think about that I don't, I mean, I don't know that I, I don't know, man. I, I I really don't know what to feel about this season. Like this story needs to be told, right? Because it's a very important part of our history. And I want to love this, but I don't know that I love it. And I don't know, it's be, I think it's because of the structure and the way that it's, unfolding is not necessarily awesome to me. Uh, I haven't gotten into it totally yet. And it's with me really trying, you know what I mean? Like I'm really trying to like love it, love it. And uh, I'm not really there yet. So I don't know. I, I don't know what to. Uh... Well, I, I, I think, you know, I, I don't think you're wrong in, in, in one sense, in one sense, the story has, creaked forward at a very slow pace so and in some ways it, it it's almost like they hastened the arrival of what we know to be the supernatural quickly so that we didn't sort of just tune it out and get bored and say okay well there's nothing going on here we're just gonna move on because the setup feels like it has been so long but i will say that with this episode it does feel to me like personally there is, well, I shouldn't say personally, that there is something very personal about what has happened here to the characters, which again, I think connects across generations, but something, uh, the, the, it's almost like there is a, a, a line between the personal horror that's happening in the terror as we're seeing it at every single episode, just with the reality of what's happening and it's being mirrored um, in in a small part with the supernatural revelations. So in some ways, the terror is the story of, of something that was terrible that happened in history. And yes, it, I think it is actually important to, to tell, very. But the other piece to this is the, the supernatural revelations that we're seeing. And this is where I feel like maybe the terror is a little bit and I don't know what's going to happen, right? So perhaps it will reveal itself to be something 
more than, but I suspect after now we are at episode four, it's not going to. I just don't know. Um, that's that supernatural element feels understated. It feels underdeveloped in the sense that what we are experiencing as the harsh reality reality of the Japanese internment camps is bigger than the terror that is the supernatural terror. And I think that that sort of puts the audience at an unease because that's not what we're used to, right? Even in our horror stories that revolve around terrible places like insane asylums and uh, gosh, we have a whole slew of them right now about convents and nuns and as terrible as the outside world is, we're almost always in Western storytelling. We are basically reminded that the supernatural world will always be worse. There's always bigger, darker, more terrible things happening in the supernatural world that could ever take place in reality. And here we have something of a juxtaposition. We have instead the terror being the real life, rea the reality actually of what's happening in the Japanese internment camps and then there's a supernatural piece. And I think it sort of upends our ability to understand the storytelling. And that really may put it at a disadvantage. What do you think? I just feel like, and I don't want to sound like I'm beating a dead horse, but it just feels like to me that they shoehorned this into the terror. And they had to serve several masters because of the last season that they would be better served of making this its own thing. And, you know, it's like, it's like the terror did very well. And they were saying, well, how can we keep this going? And then they're like, then, you know, these writers said, well, I want to tell this story. So we'll shoehorn it in to a fit kind of the terror motif. And it just, I don't think it's working. It'd be better if it was like an HBO miniseries about the internment, you know? Well, okay, so that may be, and 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 you may actually be right. There may be, I think, something to that. But I also think that I, I fell into this trap a little bit in the very beginning too, because for the first couple of episodes, I believe that I was watching uh, something like... Um, the terror as it you know okay well here we are in japanese internment camp and what we're supposed to believe is something similar to what happened in season one is going to happen here or some kind of uh some kind of tie and i have come to completely separate myself from that line of thinking and embrace the fact that this story is completely different not just in scope and in terms of the audience that it's serving, but also in the functional development of the story. And I did sort of touch on this uh, a while ago when I said that they don't have the uh, architecture of the terror, the book by Dan Simmons. And because they don't have that architecture, there it may feel a little bit looser in terms of its uh, overall development. But there is also something that is happening here, which I now see in sort of retrospect, which feels a lot more uh, both freeing and also expansive. 
and that expanse is we are free to tell a story that doesn't have all the only connection to the terror season one is hey this is a history story that was a history story there are elements of the supernatural there were elements of the supernatural but the moment that i let go of the idea that somehow the terror was supposed to be something other than it was it sort of freed me up to enjoy those back episodes and now this episode more completely because i don't have that expectation anymore um but i i do know what you're saying there have been a bunch of people who have sort of I don't I won't say that they've lost interest as much as they are struggling to find the narrative to hold on to. And it doesn't feel like things moved fast enough in the first four episodes to keep people in a super engaged mode. But I will also just remind you that the in the last season, it took up to episode four, almost five, for the terror to sort of hit its stride in the sense that there was something bigger happening. There was something uh, that the plot was really reaching into a region that we hadn't explored before, much like the Arctic's, you know, explorers themselves. And and I, I sense that that's where this is going. I don't know for sure, but it does feel, again, like this episode was sort of a pivotal twist in that narrative storytelling that, yes, there was a lot of backstory to get through, but okay let's move on to the fact that that now the twins were born and neither of them survived right just in terms of where that story first of all and do we believe that though because did they did they actually i don't think they showed that they were dead right well according to the nurse they were dead and i, I don't see i don't know i don't see any indications that either of them were under any kind of influence and I, the other thing that i didn't see was i of course at the end uh yuko comes in and kills the doctor right so yes of course there could be something again on a supernatural level but why would she kill the doctor if the if the twins the doctor was an asshole though yeah well <laughs> he, he, he. point good point um I'm not sure that I, I guess we can't really infer. You're right. We can't infer that there is something that something else might not be happening there. I think what I'm saying though is that the that the twins are dead in terms of what Luce thinks and eventually what Chester will think. Right? Because obviously he's gonna hear Luce obviously was there. The something around death we opened basically with a death scene right something around death is uh, th that seems to be a pretty big piece so knowing that having that piece sort of tucked away the the yuko part of what's happening and you know loosely we keep going back and forth between these terms for um for the shapeshifter from uh, how did they pronounce it? Uh, Obake and mm -hmm. uh, Bakamano, right? Right. I'm sure I slaughtered that, and I'm so sorry to everybody. I don't speak Japanese. We're wrong with that. <laughs> but the, but those two terms seem to continually come out over and over again, and they, and it does seem like this is the the shapeshifter piece. But what is a yuri? What what actually? 
what actually is this supposed to be telling us? And the fact that the, we have no straight answer sort of to me says that we're not supposed to know yet, that th this is part of the unfolding. And, and I, I sense why you get frustrated with it, but I feel kind of like it's worth the effort to wait, that it's worth the effort to keep going. Um, and, and part of that is, and again, I just have to keep going back to this. There's a lot of real life terror in this, which if you allow yourself to experience it and not be always ready for the supernatural, it's actually a very rewarding story in the sense that it, it, it is truly chronicling something that we don't get to see, that we haven't seen very much of. And I think it's, it's, it's actually a really good story. Right. Does that make sense? I mean, I hear you and I understand. Oh, just wait, keep waiting. It's going to get good. But it has to be, it got to be interesting in the interim too, though. It can't just be like this, you know, it, let's say the last two episodes are amazing. So we sat through eight episodes of that, of not that interesting. Like, really did you see see that's what i was asking did you are you really saying that you really didn't find anything interesting in these first four episodes at all i mean yes there's some good stuff right but it's not like i'm not sucked in like i you know what i'm saying like i don't i don't go oh man monday oh terror night you know what i'm saying sure. i don't go like oh man it's terror night I got can't wait. You know, it's kind of like, you know, my feeling is when I watch it is just kind of like, uh, okay, well, you know, we'll see how this one goes. You know, that's kind of where not where I'm at with it, and it's a shame because there's talented people. Like the cinematography is really good, the um the music is good, the actors are good. You know what I'm saying? They're all doing really yeah. good jobs. It's just the story doesn't it doesn't pull you through, you know? But do you think that that's because, do you think that that's because of your expectations or do you think that it's just because, I mean, if you had seen, okay, I guess this is the sort of the litmus test, right? Mm -hmm. If you had seen, let's go to the terror season one. Okay. If somebody were to show you the first two episodes, the first three episodes of the terror season one, mm -hmm. and they said, hey, this is going to be a real, you're not going to believe what's going to happen toward the end. Would you have waited through it or would you have abandoned it? Um, well, I, I think I've said this before. Uh, when I watched the terror initially, I had so much going on that I didn't pay attention a lot. Okay, but but put that aside and right. judge it for the story. Um, I don't know, but I don't know that you can these are so two different things like i don't even think of them as to be honest with you like i know you make connections with the first season i i going into it i didn't think there was going to be any kind of connective tissue and there's not I, I i totally just think of it as its own thing so I, you know what i'm saying like i had no expectations of of um it's going to be something like the first season or something like that. When I went into it, it was totally with the idea of that. This was a different kind of thing. So um, in that regard, um, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm um, the way I feel about it is hampered by expectations based on me liking the, the first season. So 
it's just purely I'm not invested into this. And the sad thing was going into it, I was totally looking forward to it because this story is, you know, it's something, like I said, needs to be told and all of that stuff. And, um, you know, uh, and there's some elements here at play that I really like. And the thing that I don't like about this is that how many is it eight episodes or 10 episodes? I can't remember. Uh, it's going to be eight or 10 episodes. Uh, I think it's eight, right? I think so. Yeah. They're acting like they have 14 episodes. Like being that it's only eight episodes, it should, it should be tighter. You know what I mean? Like it should be like real tight. Like, and I feel like, you know, like everything should be with purpose, you know, and that um, and that it shouldn't really drag because you have eight episodes to tell this full, complete story. And I felt like it drags a little too much um, for my liking. And, you know, um, and it's not because and it's not because of action or anything, because I hate when people actually, you know what, Kente, I'm sorry, I have to correct that. It's actually 10 episodes. Oh, it is 10 episodes. It is. Okay. And, and okay, I don't want to cut you off, but I do want to say that as someone who has perused uh, the episodic, uh, uh, the episodic, let's just call them the summaries. They're a little bit more than summaries. Um, I I think that there is something pretty big that's going to happen, I, and I, you know I don't I don't want to hype it up to the point that it's like. Oh yeah, just hold on, just hold on, just hold on. But I do believe that there is that there is something at play here, which I think really did take a lot of setup to get to, both for the Japanese internment camps to be sort of told in that sense, and also for the characters, because so many ley lines are about to cross. And, and so, and I don't think that we could have gotten here without setting down those lines. So, you know, again, I, I, I can't speak to whether it's going to be worth the payoff, but as someone who has seen some of the bigger synopses of what is to come later in the season, it really does feel like there's something pretty big on the horizon. Here. Okay, let me say this. I know that what I'm about to compare it to is a movie, so it's a different thing. But all right, so The Usual Suspects has one of the greatest endings in movie history, right? Mm-hmm. Can we agree on that? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I would definitely agree. But getting to that ending was very entertaining. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it wasn't just that, it wasn't that you went through a bunch of slop and then you got to the ending and that was awesome and it made up for a boring movie it was the the journey to get to that amazing ending was awesome but see i i think i fundamentally disagree i, I and, and how do you disagree the, the, that that the usual suspects wasn't a good movie all the way to the end not about the usual suspects about oh. the about the interpretation that that the two of them are even the the, the, the comparison between the two of them is a good one and, and I'll tell you why. Because 
series, especially a series like this, right? Clearly we're dealing with a lot of history and, and I have a lot of experience. I'm, and I'm not saying you don't too, but I'm just saying just from my own perspective in my head, right? I have a lot of uh, experience watching historical series, especially, which I really love and mm. sort of going over and documenting in my head, what is important for us to sort of understand on the historical level and then what's important for us to understand the fictional level and sometimes we never get to the history that's important to us i think as a as a society or what we perceive is important to us as a society if we can't tell it fictionally and I, there's been a lot of cases of this right there's a lot of ways that we sort of learn things as a culture as a society through our fiction and this is definitely one of them it is it is a hard story it's a hard piece of history to take and we oftentimes don't do it justice because we don't tell it in a way that sort of works in in this case what we have is and i'm not saying that this makes up for anything i'm saying that the way that i have now been viewing this is completely different than it was in the first probably two episodes in the first two episodes i really was looking for some kind of connection between season two and season one of the terror i was looking for some kind of uh, architectural similarity between the two and there really isn't any so you're right in that sense the, the you know the lines between these two seasons are completely to, in my head obliterated I don't see it if there is something it, I, it's not easy for me to see where that is but the second thing is the moment that I stopped doing that and the moment that I sort of just embraced the fact that as a as a historical piece of fiction this stands on its own I, i'm not saying that it's your cup of tea and i i do totally validate that right because i i sense that you're not alone but i also see the no, historic, no the history thing is my cup of tea uh totally right i i I'm, i i think that the, the 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 correlation between the story and the and the history is what that's where i'm trying to get to right but i also do see the uh the individual episodes getting rated and i see the critical response and the first two episodes of the terror didn't get the most awesome critical response but it was still high it was still higher than most of the episodic stuff that comes out on tv now and so that tells me something it tells me that people are not just invested in it, but recognize that there is something sort of good happening here. However, I, I'm going to reiterate this again because I think it bears repeating. There is a disconnect here for people that are expecting to go into this series and see something similar to what they saw in season one of The Terror. It just simply isn't structurally the same kind of story or storytelling. It is very different. And again, I it's a different writing uh, in producers. They're different. They, they are different. And also the, there's also, um, yeah, I know because I always love to bring up Tony Tost because I just absolutely adore him. Um, the, the, the There's also another piece to this though. And I brought it up pretty early on. And that is that we are being told a Westernized story of an Eastern myth. And the, they're, it does oftentimes feel like there is something lost in translation when we westernize Eastern mythology. It's, it is sometimes very difficult for us because we don't pick up on the small cues because things have to be brought to our attention 
very clearly because we won't see them because we don't pick up on the symbolism because we're not seeing some of the things that somebody in an eastern society would pick up on immediately because it's just not our culture so we just don't quite get it as innately but having said all of that right i still stand by my assessment that the weak army is the it's first of all i think it's the strongest of these of the episodic definitely so far but it also has a, a perceptible shift to the personal sense that chester is prey and being hunted like meat and that the rest of the world is for whatever reason being similarly treated as just meat not humans not it's just flesh it's not there is something almost terrifying about that kind of objectification the fact that the and again i go back to when the twins died when the twins died the 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 lack of urgency by the doctor felt absolutely horrifying i mean as a mother i was absolutely horrified and even the nurse who was in the room was absolutely beside herself why aren't you doing something so that piece definitely felt like a, a, a the 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 sort of the end quality to what had been an entire episode focused on personal a personal sense of terror i think we can also see that um there was another scene in uh in this episode where luce is sitting at the table and she's trying as desperately as she can to connect to uh, the patriarch of the family. And the way that she sort of decides to do that is by saying, okay, well, how about uh, I give a name, a name that you choose to uh, our child. That to me also feels like it's, like it's very important. Like there's something that is, um, that's a almost self, fulfilling prophecy here where we know that this uh spirit is absolutely has a, a grudge against this older generation that is being somehow felt by the younger generation what that is i don't know but whatever it is it does feel very personal and so when we talk about the the horror shifting to the personal side to me it seems like it it is perfect just hand in hand we moved from the terror being m sort of more open and out there and a little bit less defined to what something's really hunting Chester, right? Does that make sense so far? No, it makes perfect sense. No, I'm totally with you. Yeah. There, I, I can, however, see that the story of uh, the Dakiyamas is, is very difficult to track and feel a sense of um empathy toward um you know i hear this a lot out here i'll just bring this up i hear this a lot out here i hear people say and i i you know it's it's an overall generalization and it feels slightly racist but i think there's there's something to the western eastern uh experience which is just very different i hear people say that people who are japanese don't express emotion and because they don't express emotion, it's really difficult for us to have, you know, a full conversation. How can you get in to, you know, being good friends with somebody if they never express their own emotion? This is really tough, blah, blah, blah. Well, 
I I honestly feel like the filmmakers here have captured uh, this particular facet of how Japanese Americans are different because of their culture. Their culture teaches them a very different way of handling things. And nothing said that louder to me than the um, the peace between Luce and uh, Chester's dad, where that, it, it just, it spoke in a way that I think would have been difficult to explain at any other, he did finally break just a little, just a tiny little bit, but it's enough, right? Do, do, do you know what I'm saying when I say that? No, I understand you a hundred percent. So, so, okay. So at the end of this episode, after, first of all, I have to ask, was there anything big in the episode that you felt that was important that we sort of haven't touched on a little? Um, Oh, the uh, flamethrower scene. That was pretty good. Oh, gosh, yes. That was actually, that was really awful. And do we do we have any, what, what do you think about what happened there? I mean, clearly this entity can, can take up possessions in different parts of, or in different parts of the theater of war right now, right? Um, yeah, that, and it, it's funny because we got to kind of see this, uh, this, uh, I don't know if we've seen it before on the show. I don't think so. The, the kind of methodology of transference where they do the little bodies breaking up, right? You know, thing glitch in the matrix type well, thing. We did, we saw that at the very beginning. Remember when she was making her way, uh, the mid. Oh, that's right. That's right. That so was... we, we do, we have absolutely been given that information, but, but I, I do feel like this again, going back to the personal thing, it got way more up close and personal this time. Right. Where we feel like we're actually closer to what's happening than before. And, and the, again, you know, the, the thing that's so interesting to me here is that the fact that Chester lived out of that when everybody else basically was on fire is, it, it seems to speak to something pretty big. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Is there something countering the, the spirit? Is there something that allowed him to survive? Jester? Yeah. Yeah, we call that the screenplay. <laughs> yeah, my, my kid calls it uh, main character syndrome. Yeah. Or, you know. Because the screenplay said so. You know. The <laughs> <laughs> Although, I, you know, I don't know. I actually, I thought that about in season one. I thought that, you know, I mean, not actually, I shouldn't say I thought that. I, did, I actually was really surprised to see that uh that that the deaths that did happen happened the way that they did because they led us to believe pretty succinctly that those characters would be the main characters and um you know they really weren't so it's it's interesting it's very interesting and in this case though i think we're pretty safe to say that chester probably has some more to go in in this season um i i agree <laughs> i'm pretty sure all right, so the doctor at the end dies. Um, we see that long-awaited reveal um, that we've been seeing in all of the trailers and the teasers of uh, Yuko revealing herself in the mask. And, I, you know, I don't know about you, but that, to me, that was, I don't know why that was so scary, but that was really scary. The, the chubby face mask? Yeah. 
I mean, it, it's called uh, it's called a what is that called? That that Japanese celebration is called. Um, oh, there is a name for this, and I cannot believe I don't remember what it is. Um, an oban. Mm, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that it's called. I'm not that cool. I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I live in Hawaii, so I. I'm, oh yeah, you should know. You should know, right? We're gonna I, kick you out. um the and and it's it's it actually is a celebration of the dead um and i don't know like i said there was something so terrifying about that sort of reveal i I, i'm trying to place exactly what it was that was so scary but i don't know did you feel the same way heck yeah that's free man if i woke up and i saw that thing man i'd freak out i'd probably end up dying from the freak out and somehow the idea that um somehow the idea also that uh that what is that what's happening here has something to do with with the the spirits either some kind of vengeance or I mean, I don't know about you, but I thought for sure that 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 the midwife piece was going to be she wanted those babies for some kind of sacrifice or maybe as a a, a way to get power. I don't know. That's what I thought. That's what I thought, too. That's why I'm, I was wondering if the babies were alive, serving some kind of purpose or something. I, I I, I'm still wondering if maybe there isn't some maybe there's something a little bit more to this i i honestly though in this case i i don't know um, i in none of my sort of advanced understanding of what's happening gives me a clue about what that might be but it is i did find that very fascinating um the the other thing is i i have to sort of just briefly touch on the george takai uh yamada character because mm-hmm. i I really enjoy seeing him both on the screen and also sort of getting a deeper uh, perspective from his character. I always feel like when he's on the screen, something relevant is going to happen, something important. Um, And I really did like the idea about how the spirits um, might have attached themselves to the people and and basically followed them from uh where they were terminal island right i liked that i thought that that was actually really interesting um but uh, there's just something sort of special about seeing him on screen and explaining the stuff that feels again it just always feels super relevant when he's on screen almost any other character well you know he you know he's such a legend you know so you know, he's just uh, one of those national treasures. And we know that the story of Japanese, the Japanese internment camps is very near and dear to his heart because this actually touched his life personally. So that gives it a lot more uh, emphasis, I think. And I feel like he's underused in this. You know, I wonder if that's not by a very specific... Um, I, I think that that is intentional. 
I feel like it's very intentional. If it's intentional, it's intentionally wrong. <laughs> like they should use him more. He he's uh, he's you know obviously he's the most recognizable, and he's really good. You know, uh, uh, that's you know that's like having Michael Jordan, and then you're like, no, we're gonna give it to the the guy on the end of the bench. Like, no, let Mike do his thing. You know. <laughs> So yeah, I, that, that's one, you know that's a bone I had to pick with it too. Is like, okay, you, you're pumping up that he's on there, but you're not really giving him anything, you know. I I, I do I do think that. Well, I don't know. I guess I I shouldn't second guess, but I do think that there is something important about all of his scenes that make me feel it evokes emotion that that i don't feel with other characters uh, it, it's just there's something about his delivery that is just it feels it for yeah he's he's awesome so okay um we're gonna close up here but i have one more quick question okay and that is the so okay the when we in the the last uh minutes right of the uh, of the show, what we see is the doctor, right? Uh-huh. And I think we know that the uh, that the doctor was clearly possessed and uh, committed suicide, right? Right. But my question is, knowing that, knowing that the spirit can cause you to commit suicide, which is basically how we opened the entire season anyway, right? With the spirit possessing the the, the lady that gave uh, Chester the, the, the tonics. How do you think that plays into the wider story? And when I say that, I mean, if we know that the spirit can cause people to commit suicide, what oh and we also saw the guard jump off the tower i mean we saw a bunch of these right right what do you think the purpose is in not possessing chester to commit suicide or uh chester's dad or any one of the other key players why do you think that the i mean does it open up any sort of ideas about what might be happening well he uh, um that family obviously has a purpose and uh, I really think that that's all that we're uh, we are really getting to see is that this is their, you know, they feel some purpose. There's some sort of kinship. There's some. Remember, what's they, going they, on YouTube? You want to fly my back? Oh, sorry about that. Um, this is the you know, there's some sort of uh, purpose with this. So with them, the family, because remember they're kind of like following them around. So I don't know. Maybe it's uh, they need each other. Yeah, I, I'm 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 sensing that there's something that there's that the deeper affiliation between uh the, the spirit world and uh the family is that this isn't about a one off suffering, that it's not about because if it was about one off suffering, it seems obvious that the spirit could just possess them and and you know have them commit suicide that seems to be its tried and true method lots of different ways to do it but basically that's the end result and so it that's again that it sort of speaks once more 
to this idea that there is some kind of very personal horror happening here which isn't which hasn't revealed itself up until now so right as always you know my views of what is happening season-wide i mean clearly it changes depending upon what we see you know nothing is sort of written in stone what i notice and what you notice could be two very different things for very different reasons but i think that where you and i uh both converge and then move off is i actually am still very much enjoying this i I think and and i i don't mean that i'm not that that you're not enjoying it i mean i'm really enjoying it as a, a sort of a tale of two pieces that are coming together and and i do enjoy it just for that but i did have to let go of some things for for you i think and you know tell me what you think here but it does seem like it's sort of getting too thin very much so yeah i i get that sense i do actually get that sense online too so i i'm I'm excited to see what happens next episode hopefully there'll be a little bit more meat on the bones and uh we'll take it from there uh how can people find you on social media kinke i i caught that too that was pretty cool yeah i Uh, you can get me at Kente F on Twitter and you can get uh, me Kente Ferguson on Instagram. And of course, the website is IndieRadio.org. How can they get you? And you can find me on Twitter at following bliss one. And you can also find me at uh, either of my websites, moviesmakethemeal.com or laughs.com. So until next week, let's uh, let's 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 see what happens. All right.